Hey there, it's Sister Catherine here at Touching the Sunrise podcast. And again, I'm here with Jeanette for a conversation on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for inviting me, Sister Catherine. It's great to be here. And it's always a joy to speak with you on these podcasts. I'm glad that you make time to come here with me. And today we're looking at the, the gift of the Holy Spirit of fortitude. So there's a lot in this, uh, in this podcast. So why don't we just jump right in? When we think of fortitude, when I think of fortitude, of course we think of like courage and that makes me think of, of the martyrs, you know, people who had the courage to endure to the very end. Um, but really the gift of fortitude is, is a supernatural habit that's available to all of us and something we really all need, especially in today's world. And it's, it's how the Holy Spirit strengthens us for the practice of virtue. Who, It's a way in which we, we, we see this invincible confidence of overcoming any dangers or difficulties that may arise. So the gift of fortitude, it brings to those who have it a dauntless spirit of resolution, um, firmness of mind, indomitable will to persevere with a quiet faith in God's providence that overcomes all obstacles. So I love that sentence because it's almost the exact opposite of the martyrs on the cross or being, um, you know, burned at the stake or whatever it is, who, you know, this really strong public witness. Most of us have this, this very private witness that is public to a few people. It's a quiet faith that believes in God's goodness and love and has the confidence that we will overcome through God's grace all these obstacles put in our way. So it, it makes our mind firm. It gives us an intentionality and a, a strong spirit of resolution and, and a desire and strength to persevere. Pope Francis has said that this is the way most of us are, gonna are going to exercise or receive or have activated within us this gift of fortitude. It's, it's in this patient pursuit of holiness that happens every day of our lives. Um, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to list the difficulties that plague people's daily lives. And I myself am forever in awe of people who have been in some way, quote, dealt a difficult deck of cards in their lives. And yet they live with this joy and this selflessness that, that I can only hope one day to attain. So it's through the gift of fortitude that, that we receive the strength to do God's will in spite of our own natural weakness and limitations. Um, the Holy Spirit, through this gift, helps us to overcome our weakness and confers an extraordinary readiness to undergo trials for love of God or in fulfillment of the divine will. So you could say that... Um, in some serious illnesses that I have had. And I had somehow this mysterious grace and gift to be able to walk through it. And other people are like, wow, how did you do that? 
it wasn't me. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and as I look into other people's lives and look at their sacrifice and their courage and their strength, they have a special grace of the Holy Spirit that at this point, because I don't have to live their life, I don't have that grace specific to that situation. So there's a beautiful way in which the gift of fortitude in which the Holy Spirit just kind of floods the members of the church, Christians, and all their various aspects of our life. And in some way just makes us in awe of, of what God is doing in others around us. Well, absolutely, Sister. And I like how earlier you said um, that you sort of correspond fortitude with courage. It makes you think of courage. Um, and I think that's true. But I also think of it as endurance and perseverance, you know, that, that as with all the other gifts, this is something the Holy Spirit does for us. It operates under the impulse of the Holy Spirit. It gives strength to the person to both resist evil, but also just to persevere through this life to the next. It, it, it helps people live the other virtues in a sense. It's the one that keeps you on track, that keeps you going, that gets you up in the morning, that day after day on your journey, you're able to put one foot in front of the other and just keep going. And to, to take everything in with the same sort of equanimity. So it's whether, whether you're sent something terrible today or something wonderful today, that you just continue with the journey. And it, as a gift of the Holy Spirit, it also helps us cope with the things that we don't understand. All the things that you wonder, how, how does this, this happen? There's poverty, there's loss. There are terrible things happening. I just want to quickly share a couple of really short stories. There's a woman who sits near me every Sunday in Mass. And she is the most strong, cheerful Catholic woman I probably have ever met. But hearing her story, her first husband died tragically, way too young. One of her children got killed crossing the street. One of her children died of leukemia. She finally met another man who she married. And later on, he died of leukemia. And it just feels like, how many more things can this person take? And so many people would turn away from God. In, in, in moments and in a lifetime like that of just constant loss and she just keeps going. She's, she's so hooked into her gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of fortitude that she said, you know, this is what it is and it's up to me to get through it. And every Sunday she's there at mass and I'm just so impressed because I look at that and think, I'm not sure what I would do with that. I would hope that the Holy Spirit would give me this gift of fortitude, but I don't know. And then the other story is a, is a very close friend of mine, not as dire a situation, but she's in a company that she's not happy with. Um, they're downsizing. Her job is probably going to go away. And um, for the last, I don't know, eight months, maybe a year, she's been sending out resumes. And every time it gets close to a job that would be appropriate for her, something strange happens, like the, there's a freeze on hiring, or the company gets acquired, or just bizarre outside things that keep them from being able to offer her a job. And again, she, she says, I don't know what God's doing. I don't know wh whether I'm being tested. I don't know what his plan is for me. 
but she keeps going. And, and I just, I look at these two in particular and just think, oh my goodness, you know, here's the gift of the Holy Spirit manifested in their lives and the way that they just keep going on the journey. Wow, you're really talking about difficult things there. Jeanette, those are amazing stories. And when we look at our own lives and we look at um, lives of friends and other people we know um, or come to find their, out about their stories, we, we see things that are like we, we difficult. We wonder why does it have to be that difficult? And of course, that's this huge question, the problem of evil, which we're not going to go into now. But just on a very, um, a very simple level, there are a couple of level. I mean, I think that fortitude is extraordinarily practical gift. Yes. It's what, keep, it's what keeps you going. Yes, yes. So what, what makes some things difficult? One, one thing is some things just are harder in life. They're harder to do, you know, just on a very simple level, it's harder to lift up a table than it is to lift up a watch. It's harder to, in the story you just told, to have, you know, four members of your immediate family die than it is to, you know, lose a pet or whatever. You know, there's, there's sometimes in certain people's lives, there is these strong, darker moments and they seem to be called to walk through the valley um, and not to the mountaintops. Um, there is a certain way in which God calls each person and saves each person differently. And I love the way you, you spoke about both of these women, that they realized that God was active in their life mm -hmm. in some way that perhaps they couldn't understand. And secondly, the difficulties can arise when we, we don't want to do what God has allowed to happen in our life. Right. For both of these women, um, for myself, when I was sick, you know, different stories that I know of people, when there, there is a certain amount of flexibility, a certain amount of preparedness to at least consider mm -hmm. that there is a larger plan into which they are being drawn, there's a little bit more ease in being able to live or receive the active activation of the gift of fortitude in their lives. Whereas, you know, if we're like, I don't want what God wants, I don't want these things to be happening in my life, it's not fair that I have to live with this or that or the other thing, then it becomes more difficult for us to open ourselves to that extra, extra, extra powerful gift of the Holy Spirit, they'll help us get, they'll help get us through it, actually. So, so it becomes more difficult when we're not open to that consideration that God is working in the valleys as he is working in the mount, on the mountaintops. You know, a third difficulty that can arise simply is, you know, the world, and I'm, I'm speaking about the world that, that isn't exactly open to the gospel. Um, that is, is all around us with various values that are countered, that also makes, us, makes it more difficult to be in peace, to follow God's uh, lead, 
to practice virtue. And it's at those times too that we need the gift of fortitude to be able to say, okay, regardless of that, this is what I want. I want to persevere in, in this following of Jesus. And the fourth thing that we could say as a fourth thing, um, the, you know, the evil one can also make doing, following this, this dream of God for us, this opening of the way God is working within our lives, difficult because he knows, you know, Ignatius said, and I think St. Peter in, the, in his letters, uh, the evil one is almost like walking around the outskirts of the castle. And he's watching very carefully what happens. He's looking very carefully at what happens until he finds a chink in the wall. Mm -hmm. And it can just be one little chink and he finds it. And he will come back over and over and over and over and over again to that little weak spot. So that, um, you know, let's just say for, for a person, it's like, yes, everything I do is wrong. Is That's their weak spot that they just completely blame themselves and they go into disappointment, discouragement, and despair. So no matter what happens, good or bad, or, you know, where, where it is, that's always where it ends up going back. And so the evil one is going to plant those little thoughts in your head over and over and over again. And that also makes it difficult to persevere even through these times of difficulty and when we need a lot of courage. And so the Holy Spirit is the one through this gift who then um, also looks at what is that weak spot that's being exploited, in a sense, by the evil one. And he begins to heal that place so that we can have the courage to go ahead. We can have the courage to be resolute of will. We can have the courage to have a firm mind. We can have the courage to persevere. Right. And as you say, while the evil one may make doing God's will difficult, the reality is also that even God's plan for us can make doing God's will difficult. Um, as, as my friend was saying, she can't know God's plan, but certainly there is one. And yet obstacles keep coming up in, in her path. Um, I know a priest who told me once that that God planned he would become a religious, and God planned he would go on to the priesthood. Um, and yet, even working within that plan, he said God kept putting up obstacles in his way. And it wasn't to warn him off of it, it was to make sure that he had the fortitude and, and the perseverance to, to carry on with, with his vocation and his life and, and following God's plan. Can I just interject right there, Jeanette? It just made me realize that's almost God's way of working. Mm -hmm. When you think, I was thinking about this recently, and St. Paul is a good example. God called St. Paul to that mission that he gave him right. because he was cultured, he knew the languages. He had the passion, he had the determination to pull it off. Mm -hmm. And probably none of the other apostles had that. Paul was the only one who could pull that off with God's grace. And yet, after he called him, 
he blocked him at every step of the way. I mean, God didn't block him, but there was a block at every step right. of the way. You know, people were, um, you know, the Judaizers in Jerusalem, they said, no, we shouldn't be doing that. You know, people who were, they were stoning him, they wanted him out. Just place after place after place, he was um, blocked in this mission God gave him. And yet that was all part of the plan. And I, it just, as we're talking and speaking, it makes me step back and say, all these difficulties are not being put in our way to harass us and push us down and be against us. And, and the, my last thing is, imagine if Paul had had no block along the way. Imagine what the church would look like. He would have overshone all the apostles and taken over and he was a preacher not the baptizer so there probably would have been very few sacraments going on you know it would have looked very different right but in some way the way things worked out in god's mysterious plan it all balanced out so as you're talking about these blocks it's amazing how they also are part of that plan but they demand a lot of courage to live through them absolutely i think that that the bottom line for all of this is is faith is knowing in your heart that there is a plan god never said it was going to be easy um that you know we assume that if god has a plan for me then the road is is straight and the signposts are clear and if i'm doing god's will it's just going to go forward and that's not the world we live in and that's not the way that god sees the whole of humanity he's got the big picture and we've got a tiny 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 bit of a tiny bit of it and yet we seem to think we know better than he does and fortitude is a wonderful gift in um, both humbling us that we don't know it all and can't see it all but also in keeping us going and we have to remember that with as with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, this doesn't come from us. It comes from God. It's supernatural. It helps us do things for God without fear and in spite of all the obstacles. And hopefully sometimes at least a little bit with joy. And to do that, we can't do it alone. It's like all the other gifts, we can't do it alone. We also have to look, you know, you, you, you point to St. Paul as a model but I'll go even farther and say, you know, let's look at, at, at Jesus as a, as a model here. He had the, the greatest display of fortitude, I think, of, of anyone. This allowed him to endure the hardships during his three years of public ministry. It allowed him to endure his passion. He just kept going. He didn't always want to, as, as we heard in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he did. He knew that there was a plan and he followed it. And our job as Christians is to follow him. And so in order to do that, we have to be able to, as you say, activate or use or access this gift of fortitude, because without it, I'll tell you, um, we're not going to make it. As humans, we're not going to be able to do what, what we're being called to do by ourselves. And that's the great thing about the gifts, isn't it? Because God, it may be a truism, but God never asks us to do something we can't do with his help. So to, to know that even when the road is rocky and the climbing is hard and we don't see the point, that we're still being given the strength to persevere. 
Well, we started out talking about fortitude in daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it is um, in martyrdom that we see the best example of fortitude that really rises above just a virtue into this gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, one example that's pretty commonly known is the example of Maximilian Kolbe. And it was in July of 1941 when he was in Auschwitz, Germany, during World War II, of course, that a prisoner escaped. And the law was that if a prisoner escaped and could not be found, then 10 other men who were there would be put in the starvation bunker. So, okay, of course, um, the man was not found. So all the prisoners were brought out and the commandant, Karl Fritsch, um, said, you will all pay for this. And he went through and just randomly picked out 10 men. And one of these men was, had a wife and children and he started to weep, my poor wife, my poor children, what will they do? And quietly, Maximilian Colby stepped forward and he said, I'm a Catholic priest, let me take his place. I'm old, I have no wife and children. And the Nazi commandant yelled out, so what does this Polish pig want? And Father Colby said again, I am a Catholic priest from Poland. I would like to take this man's place because he has a wife and children. Amazingly, uh, Fritz granted his request. And um, later on, I think um, this gentleman was actually at the canonization of Maximilian Colby and he said, I could only thank him with my eyes. I was just stunned that someone would give his life for me. It was just too immense. Um, I, the condemned, am to live, and someone else willingly and voluntarily offers his life for me, a stranger. How could this be? So Father Colby and nine other prisoners were thrown down the stairs of Building 13 into a starvation bunker. And all during those those few days when um, the men were there together, he encouraged them, they said prayers, they sang psalms, he gave them meditations on the passion of Jesus. And after two weeks, they needed the cell for more victims, so the camp executioner, a criminal called Bach, came in, and he injected a lethal dose of cabolic acid into the left arm of each of the four dying men. And um, actually, Colby was the only one who was still fully conscious and still praying. And he just raised his arm for the executioner. And on August 14th, he was 47 years old. He died, a martyr of charity and love. So this is really, truly heroic. There was no, no reason for him to have to do this. It was not a choice many would make. Um, no one before Colby and no one after it made the same choice as Colby. Um, it's um, every man that day standing there didn't have to make that choice. But Maximilian Colby did because it was only Maximilian Colby that the Holy Spirit was working within to do that precise action of courage and fortitude and love. His action expressed who he was as a Catholic priest, as well as who Christ was for him. You know, by remaining safely in line that day, and he could have just breathed a sigh of relief that he wasn't chosen, um, and he wouldn't have broken any commandment. 
But the Holy Spirit had inspired him that morning to step out of line. And he followed that inspiration. And it was the Holy Spirit that enabled him to actually carry through with, with that call that he had been given. So that's a beautiful story of a, of a martyr sister. And, um, and one I think that, that a lot of people find inspiration in. And, and this is not the part of the journey that's, that's, that's slow and plodding. Obviously, this is where you were talking about earlier, where, where part of the gift of fortitude um, is courage. And I just want to share uh, about another martyr um, quite a bit earlier than the Second World War. And um, actually, it was two of them, but one in particular, Saints Perpetua and Felicity. And they lived in, in North Africa during the early persecution of the church. And of course, we don't know really that much about a lot of the early martyrs other than that they existed. But we are fortunate with Felicity to have the actual record of the courage that she showed and St. Perpetua showed from her teachers, Satonis, and others who knew them. It was known as the, the Passion of St. Perpetua, St. Felicitas, and their companions. And in fact, it was so popular during the early centuries of the church that it was often read during liturgies. So we're talking about the year somewhere around 200 AD. And um, Vivia Perpetua, who was a noble woman, decided to follow her mother and become a Christian, although of course, she knew the risk that she was taking because it was illegal not to um, worship the Roman gods. And her young slave, Felicity, also followed her into the, into the Christian community. But unfortunately for her, she was eight months pregnant at the time that the two women became Christians and were subsequently arrested and, and, put, into, and put into holding cells near the arena where they would be torn apart by wild beasts, as was typically done for, for Christians. Now, it was against the Roman law for pregnant women to be executed because it was considered um, innocent and sacred blood. And um, Felicity was afraid that she would not be able to be martyred at the same time as her companions because that she would have to wait until after giving birth. And in the meantime, her friends also didn't want to, to leave. Um, in, the, in the account, it calls it so good a comrade behind. She didn't want them on the journey without her. They didn't want to go on the journey without her. And so two days before the execution, she did go into labor and, and was crying out. And one of the guards said to her, oh, you think this is bad. If you can't stand it now, what are you going to do when you face the wild beasts? And she said, because now I'm the one who's suffering, but in the arena, another will be in me suffering for me because I will be suffering for him, uh, which is truly beautiful. She ended up giving birth to a healthy girl who survived. She was adopted and raised by one of um, the Christian women of Carthage. And the four new Christians and their teacher went to the arena with joy and calm. And Perpetua, as she was being killed, literally, called out to her brother and the other Christians, stand fast in the faith and love one another. Do not let our sufferings be a stumbling block to you. And the two women um, were side by side and ended up being killed, not by the beast, but by the sword. Um, but they became martyrs in, in North Africa. Wow, what a story, huh? 
Yeah. Certainly today, there are many stories of Christian martyrs around the world. It's almost like we're in this new time of persecution. And so the gift of fortitude is is being poured out, I think, in, in myriad ways, in everyday life and in these tremendous stories of courage and martyrdom. So the gift of fortitude then brings to people a dauntless resolution, um, a mind that's firm, and a will that's, that's absolutely determined to persevere with this quiet faith or strong faith in God's providence. That, that overcomes all obstacles. So let's look at that and take it apart a bit. It makes us courageously willing to stand up for what is right in the sight of God, even when we will face rejection, abuse, persecution, uh, physical harm, and death in doing so. And we can think of St. Thomas More, Archbishop Thomas Beckett, Right. It also gives us unusual courage in bearing difficulties, even difficulties that carry on over several years. And I'm thinking of St. Gemma Elgani and, of course, Joan of Arc. Also gives us steadiness of mind and firmness of spirit, which is a phrase I just love. Steadiness of mind and firmness of spirit in bringing arduous tasks to completion. And here, of course, we think of St. John Paul II. It also helps us persevere in a lifetime of fidelity to our vocation in spite of heavy trials or disappointments that are sent by God. And here I'm thinking of St. Teresa of Calcutta and St. John of Radamola. And finally, it also brings courage to persist in the practice of virtue despite trials, illness, persecution, or any external failure. And here we think of Therese of Lisieux and Pedro Giorgio. So what are some habits that we can develop that will strengthen the gift of fortitude? The first is to every day throw yourself into your duties and difficulties with trust in God, uh, with a will to persevere, and, and a joyful determination to complete them with as much love as you can. So what are habits that we can develop that will strengthen the gift of fortitude in our own lives? And the first would be to, to throw yourself every day into your own duties and into those difficulties that you experience with, with great trust in God, with this determination to persevere, a joyful determination to, to complete them with as much love as you can. When we practice this um, daily virtue of fortitude, we could say, on a daily level, we can be sure that when, when we need the gift of fortitude in order to be a faithful disciple of Jesus, as that's that supernatural, super powerful mm -hmm. gift of the Holy Spirit, it will be there for us. And second, as we've been saying in this podcast, none of us escapes the cross. Sometimes it is lighter than at others, and we also bear the burdens of others as they accept the crosses that they carry in life. Our hearts can complain about these seeming obstacles to, to our happiness or their happiness, to our freedom. Um, they can demand the cross be taken from us. Hear the familiar saying that we should not ask that the cross be removed from us 
but that we be given the strength to bear it is what comes to mind. So as we embrace these smaller crosses in our life, we can be sure that the Holy Spirit will give us the grace of the gift of fortitude, giving us the energy and the joy to walk through life with perseverance and greatness of soul. Well, the Spirit's gift of fortitude or courage strengthens and supports us so that we can meet the challenges of living as intentional Christians. Fortitude reinforces the will so that in the face of difficulty, we act conscientiously and with right intention. And I just want to share a couple of words from um, the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. He said, You will be strengthened with all the power of His glorious might, so that your steadfastness and patience will be perfected, and you may joyfully give thanks to the Father who made you worthy to share in the portion of the saints in light. And let us pray. Come, spirit of fortitude, sustain me in time of trouble. Strengthen me in time of weakness. Give me courage in time of hardship. Guide me in my efforts to live a holy life until the day that I join the saints in heaven to praise you for all eternity. Amen. Amen. The old adage is, you are the friends you keep. So. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to the Touching the Sunrise Heartwork community. Here we have an intentional group of pilgrims on the way to our eternal homeland where our citizenship already is in heaven. It's a place where you can ask your hard questions and walk with ever-growing strength in this veil of tears with a bit of heaven in our hearts. Sometimes we can't touch the sunrise within us because we're numb from the effort to keep pushing through the wounding of present or past situations and events in our life. But at a certain point, we can't ignore our heart's desire for more. Here at the Heartwork community, we learn a simple and practical process of watchfulness at the door of your heart in the spirit of the Eastern Fathers who teach that the process for healing the heart is through a patient and sacred watchfulness, which gives rise to the deep experience of wonder that bubbles up from the heart. So I invite you to come and be with us. You can go to touchingthesunrise.com. You can find my group on Facebook there. You can sign up for my bi-weekly letter or participate in the Heartwork community. So I hope I see you around. And may the spirit who has been poured out upon you flood your spirit with a new and radiant dawn. God bless.